The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We continue in Psalm 83. It ends with verse 18, which says that men may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be on Exploring the Word with you to go through scriptures and see what the scriptures have to say about our lives, our situations, but most of all, what it reveals to us concerning who God is that we may know him. Listen to that, that men may know that you are and we, I hope you know him. I pray that you've had an experience of grace where Jesus Christ is coming into your life and changed your life completely. Again, that's our desire, and that's what we try to share with you here on Exploring the Word. Alex, I don't think of anything more important than to know Jesus Christ as Savior's Lord. Can you think of anything more important than that? Oh, my goodness, no. And, Bert, it's great to be with you. And, folks, welcome to Exploring the Word. But, you know, um, really, it doesn't matter what you achieve or how much you earn or what you, by the world's uh, measurement, accomplish. Listen, if you don't have the Lord in your life, you, you really don't have anything. And I, I heard a minister say this one time, but I really think it was true, Bert. Uh, I know you've heard people talk about the dash. You know, there's the year of your birth on a tombstone, and the year of your death, and the dash in the middle, you know, 1950 to 1999 or whatever, and and uh, what you do with that dash means everything, said a minister, and I've heard it said that you could be rich, famous, influential, all the, the trophies and accolades of this world, but if you leave this world and enter eternity, unsaved without Jesus, your life has been a waste. And and I really think that because the purpose of life is to know the Lord, our Maker, and if we'll open our heart, our Savior and friend as well. Well, Psalm 83 gives you the difficulties, the heartaches of being God's people. And the psalmist was crying out, do not be silent, O God. Make your ways known. Make your voice heard. Let us hear from you. And don't hold your peace. And then it gives a whole list of countries around Israel that was giving them difficulty after difficulty. And we said it wasn't at the same time, but it was seemingly continual, one after another. And at the end... We come to this, that the prayers was made, and verses 13 through 18 is a prayer that this writer of the psalm made concerning these countries, but at the end, that they might know God. Now, Alex, uh, there are some that come to Christ because just they hear about the love of God, and you know the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin, and they know they need Him. But I've heard of others that's come to God because of the tragedies in their life, the difficulties in their lives. And they said, this is what I've brought on myself. I'm turning from myself, my works and what I've done, and I'm turning to Christ. And here, this prayer is to 
look, look, just let me read it, and you, and I think we'll see what we're talking about. In verse 13, it says, Oh, my God, make them like a whirling dust, like the shaft before the wind. As the fire burns the woods and the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish. And then the conclusion that men may know that you, whose name alone is Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Now, Alex, men can know that, but yet not know him. That's the tragedy of a lot of people. They know there's a God. They come to the conclusion because of logic and, and just examination that the God of the Bible is the God, but they can know about him without knowing him, can't they? Well, that's true. You know, I, I know about uh, China, but I've never been there. I've never personally experienced it. And uh, it, it all boils down, Bert, as you and I know, to the difference between awareness of something and relationship with something. And James 2.19 says even the devil and the demons know. I mean, you, you think about the doctrinal statement. Now, somebody's got a pretty good doctrinal statement. If you ask, uh, do you know God exists? Do you know Jesus is born of a virgin, has no sin nature? Christ is really the Son of God, born in Bethlehem, rose again, and is coming back. Even the devil could say, yes, I'm aware of those things, you know? He knows about it, but there's a difference, friends, between having a mental assent, a mental knowledge of God, and a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the difference uh, in the way that we bridge this gap from the brain to the heart is through faith. And so when you read, you know, John 3.16, that God so loved the world, Bert, we have to realize that he loved us, and he's offering his love, and so it's, it's so simple, folks, the good news. The, the good news is that in spite of our sin and our failure, which would separate us from God eternally, because God is holy, and there'll be nothing unholy in heaven. If you want to be in the presence of the Lord, you want to be in heaven, your unholiness has to be dealt with. And here's how it works. Our sin was put on Jesus. He was qualified to forgive us and to pay our debt. And so we admit that we're a sinner. We say, Lord, I, I admit, I agree with you. I'm a sinner. And Bert, um, acknowledging our sin, like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, in a way, does not that mean agreeing with God's assessment of our spiritual condition? It does. Confess, matter of fact, the word confess means to say the same thing as uh, mm. When I confess my sin, I'm seeing my sin the way God sees it. When I confess Jesus is Lord, in reality, the real word confess is agreeing and knowing, yes, he is God, and agreeing with God that he is the only way, and you surrender to him. Alex, you was talking about that passage in James 2 about the demons believing. You know, guess what else? And they tremble. They have yeah, an emotional real. response. Uh, the demons have believed they their doctrine concerning Christ. They know it, but they even have an emotional response to that. So you can have even an emotional response. They say, oh, I know I'm saved. I shed tears. Oh, I know I'm saved. I felt a 
a, you know, just a, a, a warmth in my body. No, it's more than that. It's more than an emotion. It is a mind, will, and emotions. With your mind, you know it. Yes, you know it, and you know the truth. With your will, you change. That's the reason that Bible says that you confess him, you repent and turn and turn toward him and, and come to him by your will. You, you, you give up on yourself and you give yourself to God. It's a transaction. The word that I used and I've been using for many years is the word I surrender to him. I give up on myself and I surrender to his lordship under his command. And Alex, I think the first time I heard that, and I've used this thing quite a bit, uh, Dr. Bobby Moore, who was a mentor of mine, and he's gone on to build the Lord, just a great man of God. He was in uh, Romania uh, preaching, and uh, he was saying, commit your life to the Lord. And the translator didn't translate that. And after it was through, he said, you know, we don't use that word commit. We use the word surrender. And Dr. Bobby started talking with him a little more. He said, uh, the idea of commitment means that you retain ownership, but you commit what you have to the Lord but surrender means you give everything you have up to him and he, you lay it on him. And so we need to surrender our life. The demons know God. They, re, they, have, they have, have an emotional response. They tremble, but they haven't surrendered to his lordship. The whole right. idea, have we surrendered to his lordship and given up of ourselves and given ourselves to him? Yeah, Satan is a believer. <laughs> that that might sound uh, heretical. Satan is a believer, at least in the sense of knowing, hey, look, God is real. The Bible is eternally true. Christ is a victorious Savior. And the lost, the, the devil and the demons, and all who reject salvation will find their eternity in the lake of fire. They all know that. But... There's more than just, and there's two different Greek words, and I'm not going to unpack these two different Greek words now, but here's the thing, and I want to ask you with all of the sincerity uh, that I can possibly convey, knowing a fact in your brain is not the same as having a relationship in your heart and your life, you know. Uh, I, I know who Peyton Manning is. I'm aware of that, but I don't. He's not my friend because we've never personally met. You can know about Jesus, but the question is, have you personally met Jesus? And the way that you do that, very simple, and he's as close by as a prayer. And Bert, it, it, it might be somebody is listening to this broadcast today, not by accident or any happenstance, but the Lord has ordained that you would hear this and that you would make sure that you have Christ in your life. Do you, do, do you admit that you're a sinner? As, as the Word of God says, do you understand that even in spite of that, God loves you, as the Word of God promises? Do you understand that when Jesus went to the cross and all of the guilt that we deserved was put onto Jesus, uh, he did that for you? Do you believe that? Of course you do, because he loves you. And now the Bible says if you will ask, and you'll say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin, Lord, I do believe Jesus, the Son of God, paid that on the cross for me. Lord, I'm accepting what you did as the payment of my sins. I'm not trying to earn your favor. I admit that Jesus paid my sin debt, and I, I'm asking you to forgive me and save me. Bert, it's one of the greatest promises 
better than if somebody offered you a hundred million dollars if you call on jesus right this minute today you'll be saved and somebody out there i know you're feeling it's time to make this thing right and make sure that you've got jesus so do that today right this minute not later you don't know what three hours from now is going to be like but you've got this moment call out to christ who loves you so amen this is our prayer father i pray that what alex has shared with our audience today that there's someone out there maybe more than one that realizes all they've done is had a mental agreement with god yeah i agree with that but they've never come to that point in their life where they repent turn from their own way and turn to you in faith asking you to save them father i'm praying that they would do that right now that you would come into their life and you would just change their life. Father, I thank you for that truth and that that uh, way that there is no other way, but there's a way in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Alex, Alex, I want to ask you this, and this is kind of a testimony. Real quick, we've got about 50 seconds left, and you can answer it real quick, and we can fill it out on the other side. After you got saved and you you were a young adult, did you get more than you thought you were getting? Oh, 10,000 <laughs> times more. The Lord is so good. Uh, Bert, um, I knew that Jesus would forgive my sins, but I had no clue the joy of living life every step of the journey with Jesus. And, uh, yeah, God is faithful. God is good. God is bountiful. Amen. There's nothing to compare that we have on earth with this relationship that we can have with God through Christ Jesus. Our prayer is that you know him. We're going to be back with more right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for John Dupuy, Director at the Office of Enterprise Assessments at the Department of Energy. His office provides oversight and enforcement related to areas including the environment and cybersecurity. Jeremiah 33, 6 reminds us of the security God gives us. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for John Dupuy at the Department of Energy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. When what we want contradicts what God wants, does He force us into submission? or allow our free will to derail his plans. Dr. Tony Evans says none of the above. He'll explain why today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The reason why we have to pray thy will be done is because obviously his will is not always done. Yesterday, my goal was to get home. As I made my way to the highway, the highway was totally blocked. It was at a standstill. So then I peeled around and decided to go another direction. And I turned right, but that was stacked too. So I had to maneuver to another way to get home. Now, my unconditional will was to get home. 
that was a non-negotiable. God has a unconditional goal, the establishment of his kingdom for his glory. So if you block him by your disobedience, rebellion, lack of prayer, it's not going to stop him getting to his goal. So many of us get bypassed from God because we refuse to partner with God for his will to be done. And God is not about to let you block him from getting to his goal so he'll skip you and find somebody else. So you have to understand you can cooperate with his will, you can resist his will, but he'd love to join with us in getting there by the prayer, thy will be done. Because God's will will achieve his desired end. Learn to develop the kind of connection with God that turns being under authority from a pressure into a pleasure. Check out Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, verse 15 of Psalm 83 contains the, the clause, really. Make them afraid with thy storm. Make them afraid with thy storm. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert are here. So glad you're listening. And we're in Psalm 83, and we're going to get to phone calls in just a little bit. Here's this number. If you have a Bible question, we'd love to hear from you. It's 888 and uh, Bert, you know, you and I have been in the Psalms a little bit because the world is in turmoil and, you know, our hearts have been very heavy for what's happening to the people of the Ukraine and we've been praying about that and praying about the, the world situation. And uh, you know what, um, if we're just uh, <laughs> thinking at all, I mean, we look at the world even in the best of times. Uh, even in the best of times, this world can change in, in a heartbeat. I mean, one one circumstance can turn the world upside down. And life, uh, it, we need to be ready. C.S. Lewis, the great thinker C.S. Lewis, said this about pain and turmoil. And he was writing in World War II. And certainly the future of the world was up for grabs back in World War II. But C.S. Lewis said... Um, God whispers to us in our day-to-day -day life, but God shouts to us in our pain. That pain, now listen to this, C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now, when Psalm 83.15 says, um, persecute the evil people, persecute them with a tempest, make them afraid with thy storm. Uh, sometimes the storms of life, the danger... And they, these are dangerous times, make no mistake about it. But the things of this life, um, if we're wise, they'll get our attention and turn that attention to the Lord. Am I right? You are exactly right. Matter of fact, this list from 13, 14, and 15 are catastrophic. And uh, notice uh, the whirling dust, a whirlwind, or a tornado, like the shaft before the wind. I mean, you know, disaster, and it comes in and ruins crops. 
as fire burns the woods. Here it is, out of hand, fire out of hand. The flame sets the mountains on fire, and they pursue or persecute them with the tempest, the storms, and frighten them. So, so these things are very difficult. They, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust, Alex. These mm. things are a part of our lives, but sometimes they come in volumes. Have you ever heard, uh, and, and I'm a pastor and I've seen this, I honestly have, it seems like they come in bunches. Have you, noticed, yeah. have you noticed the miracles in the Old Testament? Most of the time they come in groups. Let's just go back to the, to the children of Israel uh, when they were in Egypt. You had the ten plagues, ten, and all of them was miraculous. And then when they get out, you see a miracle after a miracle as they wandered in the wilderness. When Elijah and Elisha comes along, there's that group of, of miracles just coming together. And then you'll have some of the prophets that shows no miracles whatsoever. But I found that also true when you look through the Old Testament. You'll find this catastrophic events seem to come in groups or bunches, someone said. And here it is. In other words, they're compounded. And, and I would say here, where we are in our world today, there, we're asking the question, is this the time before Jesus comes back? And we always answer, it sure could be. There's nothing that needs to happen to keep him from coming back, and it could be. Right, right. But they're, they're compounded right now. The gas price is up. Look at how that is. The, the, the uh, anger that's in people's lives and the rioting and the burning that took place last summer. Uh, you look at, again, Ukraine, you look at the pressure that China has, the possibility of Taiwan, Iran, the possibility of a nuclear a weapon. It's compounded right now. So what does that result in? I hope it results in the faces turning to him, that they would seek your name, that we're not going to find our hope in any other source. The chariots are not going to deliver us or military power. They may help, but ultimately God is the one who delivers. So our prayer is that people would look unto the Lord. And you're talking about prayer for the uh, Ukraine. I, I wrote this down. We also need to pray for the Russian citizens. They're, oh, yeah. they're hurting, and many of them are believers. Not only have we talked to people that's gone to Ukraine as mission work, also to Russia and saw what God has done there. And so we're praying for especially the Christians because read a, a article that, that Putin is again trying to go through, and he is saying they're traitors, and he's going to weed them out. Uh, you know what that means. It means prison. Yeah. It means death. And so uh, we got to pray for our Russian uh, fellow believers as well, uh, Alex. Uh, well, we really do. We really do. And, you know, this world, as much as we love life and as much as we, you know, thank God for all the blessings of life. And listen, life is a gift and life is wonderful. But, Bert, do you think sometimes just the struggles and the stresses of this life um, – cause us to realize that our, our true home is not here. Our, our true home is not here. I mean, for the believer, and this, this is one of the blessings you asked me before the break, when I, when I accepted Christ and, you know, thank God he accepted me, um, uh, did I get more than I anticipated? And I want to say this, and, and please hear me, folks. Um, we talk about the greatest thing of salvation is, you know, we're going to go to heaven, not hell. 
our, our guilt, our death sentence, the judgment that was over us, and rightly so, because as the, as the old reformers would say, our sins are an offense against a holy God. And praise God, if you're saved, your sins are washed away. But you know what? At least as good as that, and maybe even more so, is not just the thing that we've been saved from hell, but we've got the presence of Jesus every hour of this life, his guidance, his comfort, his strength, his his wisdom. Bert, uh, I came to Christ at 21 because I knew I was lost. I didn't really realize, though, the great blessing I was getting that he would be the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing to not go to hell, but it's a great, indescribably wonderful blessing to walk with Jesus every day of one's life. And um, I, I don't know that we hear that too much in the sake of the gospel, but we need to emphasize that, that he becomes our ever-present friend and Lord and Master. Alex, it is so true, and, and that's why Psalms are so important, because David, especially David, writes these Psalms when he was being hunted down by the enemy, and he would say, the Lord is my refuge, not after I die, but he's my refuge right now. He's my strong tower right now, and right now, this is, I, I got saved as a 12-year-old boy, and the preacher that night, he was preaching on hell. I knew it was real. I knew if I did not know Jesus Christ as Savior. That was my destiny. And I, I got saved, and I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. But he has been more than I could ever imagine. Oh and, goodness, and so yeah. he is that friend. He is that person. And you're missing out on this relationship. This relationship with Jesus is real. Uh, he speaks peace in the midst of the storm. He gives a calmness in the midst uh, of all the difficulties. And he gives, let me just say this, Alex, he really does give meaning to life. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. can you yeah. imagine your life without Jesus Christ, the meaninglessness? No wonder so many suicides are happening. No wonder people are just having nothing to turn to because Christ gives purpose to your life. Uh, he really does. He gives you a destiny, and and that destiny is not just heaven. If I understand it right, eternal life doesn't start at death. It starts at the point of salvation, doesn't it, Alex? Exactly. You know, let, let me just say this, and, and if you read um, Matthew twelve eleven, it talks about the kingdom of God coming in, and the, the kingdom has suffered violence, and Satan, of course, the world, the flesh, and the devil has fought against the... the um, incoming kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God will come, is coming, and in fact, we're part of the kingdom right now. I've got a, an evangelist friend, some of you in western North Carolina, you might remember the name Dale Riddle, incredible preacher of God's Word, and he's retired now, and he's he's gotten older. But I remember 30 years ago, I heard Dale Riddle preach a sermon, Heaven's Now, and yes, I mean, there is a place, there is a, an absolute tangible locality called heaven, the presence of God. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And if you're saved, when you leave this world, the soul leaves the body, you go to heaven for sure. But what Dale Riddle preached in this sermon, Bert, was about the fact that we are walking in a state of everlasting life already. 
See, if you're born again, you've passed from death into life. The things that we do absolutely have eternal implications. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so, um, and, and it is this walk in two worlds. If you get saved today, my friend, yeah, you're still down here on planet Earth to, to live your life out, but you're also now a, a card-carrying part of heaven. And, and we're, we're walking in, dealing with, and handling the stock and trade of eternity already, aren't we, Bert? We are, and again, that is real. Going back to Psalm 83, I, I want to make sure we, we can get this, because people are saying, how can we pray for our enemies, even those that are foreign and domestic, those that are in uh, the, our country that seems to be making horrible, horrible decisions concerning marriage, concerning gender, concerning everything about life. Well, I think the psalmist here prays, oh God, let them be confounded. Uh, God, let them be brought to shame. I understand that, and I think we do want that. But at the same time, notice how he reaps and, 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 and knits in the hope they have. Look at verse 16, that they may seek your name, O Lord. The ultimate goal, yes, bring confounding and failure to what they're doing because if they think everything's running smoothly, they'll probably stay on the same track. But if they can have some confusion, if there can be some difficulties, they may turn. The other one is we've already referred to it several times in verse 18, that men may know that they know you. Now, Alex, do you see that compound prayer? And I think it's a little bit of what we pray for, uh, you know, like enemy, like Putin and, and, and those men and women that are propelling him and suggesting him, yeah, keep it on. It lets us know how we pray for uh, our own uh, people that are in power, that are doing things that's anti-God, even anti-country. We pray for their failure, but at the same time, Lord, I pray they would seek you. I pray they would look unto you. Do you see that compound prayer that we have here in Psalm 83? I, I really do. And, you know, it's beautiful how, you know, we've got in the New Testament, like, you know, First Timothy two two, pray for kings and for all of those in authority that we may live a peaceable and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. First Timothy two two, that's that famous scripture about praying for leaders, and I hope everybody will take up that that assignment. But Bert, this goes all the way back, like you say, to the Old Testament. Now, uh, this is a, a Psalm of a- Asaph, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, if I remember. Um, so we're talking, you know, maybe 1000 BC, and you know the uh, the wicked nations that have fought Israel. We talked about this. How you know God God's purpose? He created, and He called out Abraham, and through Israel was going to send the Messiah. Well, as they were coming into the Promised Land for over a period of 420 years, entering the land, and again, remember God's agenda was to bring forth the Messiah from the Jewish people, there were military uh, opponents, political opponents, economic opponents, certainly spiritual, occult, false religious opponents, and just downright violence and theft and plundering. Um, The devil always, from Haman and his gallows in the book of Esther to, you know, 
Oreb and, and Zeb and uh, the Midianites and uh, all these nations listed here. Um, every type of opposition you could imagine. Bert, um, the prayer for leaders and for God's protection and for God to providentially you know, keep his, his people and his plans on track. I mean, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, but Bert, uh, isn't the church and the march of the gospel still to this day opposed politically, ideologically, philosophically, culturally, economically, morally, uh, and spiritually? Aren't, aren't there still the, the eras of Satan being aimed at the, the people of God and the message of the, the gospel? No matter when or where God's people are, Satan will attack them. That's in the old, that's in the new, no matter when, where. The only place that it's not going to happen is in heaven. Until then, expect that. But here it concludes, verse 18, and I love this, that you are the most high over all the earth. Alex, what does all mean in the Greek and in the Hebrew? All means all. It, that's it, all all means. And that's and, who and when, it is. Go ahead. And when it says he's the most high, uh, <laughs> doesn't that mean name above all names? It does. Remember Philippians 2, it says Jesus has been given the name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Now, the whole idea is where will that happen? Do it now. You don't want to wait to get to hell and you lift up your eyes the way the rich man did and see Lazarus and know, oh, I could have, I could have. And you bow, bow that knee, confess with your tongue that he is Lord now. Well, we're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that's your neighbor's. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, an economic system that allows billionaires to exist is immoral. Someone may want to let the former bartender turned congresswoman know that the top 1% of wage earners pay nearly 50% of all federal taxes. The top 10% of wage earners pay nearly 70% of all federal taxes. And the top 20% of wage earners pay about 85% of all federal taxes. That money funds things like our national welfare programs. Don't let them entice you to harbor disdain for the wealthy. Socialists bank on covetousness. 
to gain support for their regressive policies. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Timothy 2.2. I hope you know this scripture, 1 Timothy 2.2. Pray for kings and for those in authority that we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. If ever we needed to pray for the leaders around the world, well, that time is now. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're so honored that you are, and this is the part of the program where we take Bible questions. We would love to hear from you. And let me just say, don't be shy. Your question is a good question, my friend. It is. Don't think, well, I'm not sure if I'd, I should ask my question. Just call 888 any and all Bible questions, and we will do our best to give you a very biblical and factual answer. Amen. And we do have lines open, but we do have Nancy from Arkansas online. Nancy, welcome to Exploring the Word. Are y'all doing okay today? We are doing great Good, today. I hope you are. How's things in Arkansas? Bright and sunny and shining at the moment. Well, maybe it'll stay that way for a while. <laughs> you have a question for us today, Nancy? Well, I'm in a conundrum, and there is a Bible study that is going on. And the person that I was speaking to, I kind of threw him for a loop. But it refers to him. I'm in Genesis. And it's Genesis 27, and chapter 1, verse 27. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Semicolon. Male and female, he created there is a plural word, them. 
Now, is he talking that he made Adam both male and female? Okay. Nancy, mm-hmm. let me just share. Let me start this way, and it'll help, I think. And then, Alex, you fill in the gaps, probably the large gaps. But chapter one gives you an overall picture of creation, Nancy. In other words, it says creation, and it says he created male and female. He's not talking about it one time. No, he is talking about he created men. He created the the human race, and male and female, he created a man and a woman. Then you come to chapter two, and it zeroes in on the creation of man and how God created man. In other words, it's like a zooming in. Uh, you know, you'll have the overall picture, but then you want to zoom in on part of it. Chapter 2 zooms in on that part where he created male and female, and he created them at two different times. Alex, uh, would you speak to that for Nancy as well? God bless you, Nancy. God bless you for being an astute, careful Bible reader. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female created he them. See, we've got the difference between general and specific. The human race in general, uh, God created the human race. Adam and Eve, very specific. Uh, It's the collective versus the the singular. So no, uh, in no way are we saying that there's this ambiguous gender of Adam nor Eve. Uh, Genesis one twenty seven and and verses like that. There's no way you could use that to have ambiguity about gender. It's um, like Bert said, creation and then the specifics of Adam and Eve. So male and female, you've got a binary view of gender. Only two genders, male and female. Now Bert, behavior is something every day by the Holy Spirit's guidance we have to choose how to behave, because uh, behavior and actions are very fluid, but our, our physiology is static. Let me just say this. Males are males everlastingly. Females are females for as long as they live and even in eternity. And so, Bert, um, God created male and female and gender cannot be changed. Amen, and we need to do this. There is a big, and I've been preaching on it a lot lately, Alex, identity. I didn't know who your identity is, male or female. Know your identity in marriage. Know your identity in Christ. Uh, Satan is really, he, he is coming to town, what I mean by that, over and over indulging in this identity crisis. And he is doing everything else to do what? Confuse. That's what he does, uh, come to destroy. But he wants to confuse, which leads people desperate. And so, uh, Nancy, again, I agree with Alex. Thank you for your good call. Let's go to Kansas and talk to Mary. Mary, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I have a. I keep thinking about Hebrews 13 and 11, 12. I don't know why I can't see to look it up. The girls at the library would read it to me, but I decided to call you guys. But I wanted to make a comment that God even does things for you in even little tiny ways, like I can't see. I went in my closet to get a blouse out today, and behold, it was a green blouse. <laughs> you didn't so get pinched. So, so you didn't get pinched, right? 
I didn't get pinched, but he helped me. I said, I asked my husband, I said, isn't this a green blouse? He said, yes. And that's all I said to him. But, yes, keep praying for the Christians in Russia because the big tech is cutting them off, not to help the war, so they can't get information out and they can't receive information. So we got to keep praying for them. And thank you, and I'll hang up and let you read that verse to me. Okay. It's Hebrews 13, 11 and 12, if I understand. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary of the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Alex, uh, what Jesus did in one person, uh, the the type had to be done in two, did it not? Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament law, and he was crucified outside the city as uh, the criminals and the murderers were. He, you know, the inner uh, walls of the city uh, wouldn't be defiled by the sin bearer. Bert, I've, I've always thought it was very interesting back in Leviticus 16. Do you remember the, the, the Bible teaching about the scapegoat and what they would do in Yom Kippur, the time of atonement? They had a ritual uh, that what they would do, they would lay hands on a goat and then lead it out of the city and let it go in the wilderness, and it would go and be gone. Uh, as kind of symbolically, the sins of the people are laid on a, a goat. Now, a goat was an unclean animal, and you remember the Bible talks about judgment, the sheep and the goats. Well, the goat was that sin-bearer, and just like Jesus was crucified outside the city, and just like the scapegoat was led out of the city, uh, Jesus fulfilled that picture and that type too, didn't he? He did. He is wonderful. And speaking of praying for the Russians, I want to do that right now. Father, I pray, as as Mary said, we're praying for those Russian citizens that are seeing what is being done as wrong. Uh, and Father, no matter what Putin's uh, his his purpose in this, we don't know everything about that, but how he's treating and what he's doing to the civilians of Ukraine, but the Russian people, citizens, are being harmed as well, especially those that are believers there. So we pray that you would intervene and you would help them, those citizens, to be strong. And, Father, that they would not back down, but they would stand for right. And just we pray that you'd bring it about in your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Mary, thank you so much. We appreciate your call. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Kelly. Kelly, welcome. Kind of a vague question. A lot of people now are talking about the Bible, talking about Armageddon, what's going on. What would you say to people, not just so we can say we're right or it's part of God's perfect plan, but how would you deal with people now that are really not believing, but they are looking and they're seeing all this tragedy and everything that's going on. How would you use the Bible um, uh, to kind of help them make a decision for Christ? Amen, Kelly. Thank you for your desire to be an evangelist. I think it is true that we see things happening, and I would say uh, I'm going to do something, and Alex, you fill in the blanks, but uh, John 6 uh, when things got rough and a lot of people turned away on Jesus Christ and he turned to Peter and the others and said, are you also going to go away? And and they said, no, you have the words of life. And, and Jesus said to them, you know, they're good. But he said, where would we turn to? 
Alex, I think that's what we're going to try to do is let people see that God is our hope. He, our military, yeah, we want to keep it up. Yes, we want diplomacy. But and honestly, the only thing that's going to work during these times is that relationship with God through Christ. Amen. Well, God bless you for thinking about such things and uh, wanting to help people find uh, the Lord. Uh, you know, you mentioned about the Battle of Armageddon, and the Bible does say that um, there will be, at the end of the tribulation, there will be a battle where the armies of the Antichrist really come uh, not just to fight the armies of of Israel, uh, but to fight against God. And, and we see that, and oh my goodness, it could really really happen in our lifetime. But Bert, one thing, and it's not taught on much, but I think we ought to just point it out. Maybe we'll unpack it in some depth on a future show, but in the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel, it talks about, um, well, Daniel 12 verse 4 says, at the time of the end, many will run to and fro, knowledge will increase. But as for you, shut up the book. The time of the prophecy is not yet. Okay, running to and fro. My goodness, you think about international travel. And you think about just the busyness of life. But you think about knowledge being increased. Right now, they say that the Internet, the amount of of data on the Internet doubles about every three to four months. And, you know, Bert, it is said that we see as many pictures and images and uh, bites of information in a month as people 100 years ago would have ever seen or been subjected to in a lifetime. You know, we talk about information overload. And let me say the grid. I mean, the whole wide world is wired up. There are satellites. Um, We can, in real time, watch things going on on the other side of the planet. Uh, the downside of this is that in real time, whoever, and do you know, nobody really knows who's getting all the data and capturing it, but everything we do, I mean, you you bought a snack at a gas station a month ago, 100 miles from home, believe me, that transaction is preserved in a database. Bert, I look at the world today. And I look at the, the Bible prophecies about the end times, and it becomes, under the Antichrist, a global police state. Nobody can buy or sell or make a move without the mark and the control. Look, we're, we're there. I mean, the grid is in place. Now, the, the message, of course, is be ready. Give your life to Christ, and you'll be ready for the rapture and his return. But, Bert, the world that we're in now, and I... You, you and I purposely have not been like prophecy mongers trying to, you know, overstate things. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't tell people the world of 2022 is set and ready for any of the prophetic scenarios you read about in Daniel or Revelation. Kelly, that is so true. There's nothing that needs to happen. There's so much that's taken place. The information... Let me add one to that, and that's lawlessness. The the lawless one will come, the man of sin, and lawlessness is reigning throughout the world today. And uh, so the times are right. Uh, we need to be ready. And I think you can say that to people. The only way to be ready is through that relationship with Christ. 
Let's go to Mississippi and talk to James. James, welcome. Turn your radio down, James. Or off. Hello, how are you guys? Doing well. Got a question for us today? Yes, I was wanting to see if you guys would talk about Romans 325 for me because I can't figure it out. And it talks about the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And I was just wondering what those were. So okay. I'll listen on the radio because I can barely hear. Okay, James. Thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. Alex, let me read verse 24. I could read the whole thing, but to save time, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, that's setting the tone for 25, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood, Jesus Christ, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Waiting to what? Why were they passed over? Waiting until Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Alex, go ahead. Well, it says God presented Christ a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Bert, don't you think that's the key? Now, he demonstrated his righteousness in his forbearance and patience uh, that the sins committed beforehand that had gone unpunished. See, God for centuries had been merciful to people. Now, everybody had to cry out and turn to God, but God's been very patient with this fallen world, and by faith we receive his forgiveness. And through Jesus Christ, they, they're they saved by the blood of Christ in the Old Testament. They were waiting for that blood. Now we look back on it and see what God has done. It is only in Christ. Thank you so much. Tomorrow will be Fire Away Friday, so we'll get a lot of questions, Alex. Yes, we will. Folks, be thinking about your question and be ready to call in tomorrow and tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network and Exploring the Word. Most of all, though, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.